Morning. Let's pray. It's being recorded. Our Father, we give you praise and thanks that this day we come to remember Christ's victory over death for us. We praise you and thank you and ask that you might encourage us this day as we've been encouraged so far through our through your word being read, through the prayers that have been prayed, and we ask that you might give us new ways to hope, new ways to be encouraged, and to keep me, I would pray, from error, we would ask new ways in Jesus' name. Amen. It's not always, uh, the truth is not always the thing that is known. Uh, do you remember the movie Titanic? Now, I know that uh, Phil, where are you, Phil? You say, oh, there you go, vanished down there, hiding. Well done. Uh, always try and get as far away from me as possible. Phil and Bill get together at least once a year and watch every anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic, April 15. Once or twice, I hear of maybe even three times. It's a story I've heard. doesn't mean just because I've heard it, it certainly doesn't mean it's true. But anyway, the truth is not always what is known. The tragic story of the great ocean liner, as I said, that sank on April 15, 1912. That's uh, quite a while ago now. That terrible night, 1,509 people drowned, frozen to death near the Arctic Circle. And in 1985, Robert Ballard, you might have seen that uh, documentary, Found it, located where it was, was down 13,000 feet. It deteriorating rapidly, and so they, an ambitious effort was launched to retrieve the, the artifacts, the memorabilia, those things. Has anyone seen the exhibition? Yeah, a few have, haven't you? I, even I did. I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen Titanic. Who's watched the Titanic, the movie? There you go. You and Bill and Phil get together. James Dobson relayed this story about seeing that exhibition. My wife, Shirley, and I were fortunate enough to do that, visit that exhibition in Boston, and it displayed some of the articles that have been recovered and, and preserved. We walked silently, almost reverently, among the former possessions of those who died so long ago. Those possessions included bottles of perfume, clothing, jewellery, candle holders. There was the ship's china, eating utensils, and a pocket watch that stopped ticking the moment its owner slipped into the sea. Several photographs and letters survived, having been kept in watertight suitcases or safes. It was a very emotional experience for my wife and me as we tried to imagine what it was like for those unfortunate passengers and what they went through in those final minutes. When we came to the last room in the exhibit, there were the names of those who died inscribed in alph alphabetical order on the glass plates. Do you remember that? Did you saw the exhibition? Yeah. What struck us both, he said, was the scarcity of females on this list. Indeed, indeed 1,339 men 
died on that night. But only 114 women and 56 boys and girls, tragically. Why this disparity, he says? Because with very few exceptions, men, husbands, fathers gave their lives to save the women, their wives, their children. It was one of history's most stirring examples of self-sacrificial love. Doomed men disappeared into the icy waters of the Atlantic in order that their loved ones might survive to see another day. That is why the Titanic was known as the ship of Joyce knows because she's had to hear that from Phil all these times, widows, the ship of widows. And it's known as that to this day. Unfortunately, James Cameron, who was the director of the movie, one of your favourite directors, the Titanic, he chose to ignore that fact. It's known as the ship of widows, but if you watch the movie, you would get a very different image of that. Instead, James Cameron decided to change the story, just a tad, and he depicted all the doomed men as cowardly and panic-stricken. In the movie, hundreds of male passengers were kept out of lifeboats at gunpoint. One man was sneaking past women and children and grabbing one of the precious seats. And look, there is, history has confirmed that there were a few men who did behave badly that night. But the account that most people should know is that only 325 men survived. The account that most people know, though, as the truth, is the movie. Trouble is it doesn't agree with the facts. When it comes to the Bible, when it comes to the Gospels, we have something that is written for us, different accounts by people who were there. The accounts of the Gospel are very close to the events. If you want to know about Julius Caesar, he did write his own memoir, but it's a 1,000 years later than him is the first copy that we have that survives. A 1,000 years after his death, we have to rely on the copy we have that records what he did. It's, same, it's roughly the same for Alexander the Great. If you want to know anything about Alexander the Great, the first thing that survives is a 1,000 years after his death Historians accept those as being reliable. The Gospels, what you have in your hand or nearby you, are written by people who were there and very, very, very close to the events. Firstly, though one of the things they say to us is Jesus' death is victorious and pays the price for sin. John the Baptist was one of the eyewitnesses. We read, it was, where are you, Wayne? Wayne, there you are, Wayne. Sorry, I missed you. Fortunately, you've done the wise thing again. You've gotten as far away from me as possible. You and Phil, very wise. 
John the Baptist, as you read, was very well aware of what his job was. His job was to point. It's rude to point, isn't it? They always keep telling me. But his job was to point to the one who would come after him, point to the one that God had sent into the world to save his people. John 1.29, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As we read in Isaiah 53, 7, 700 years before that event, Isaiah recorded these words. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. This one carried our sorrows, was pierced for our transgressions. And as Cameron has always uh, also said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid the iniquity on him, the iniquity of us all. Isaiah had seen what the one had come to do, that he, our Lord and Saviour, was to come and pay the ultimate price for sin for our rebellion. He also records Jesus' victory, as we have recorded by John, not the Baptist, by John the disciple. John records that this victory cancels out sin. Jesus' death and his resurrection is effective, victorious, a sacrifice that was acceptable and true and right. When John the Baptist says he takes away the sins of the world, this day reminds us, screams at us, that it was true. When you go to Acts and if you search on raised, search on raised in Acts, obviously you've got a computer thingy, search on raised in Acts and watch all those speeches come up about Jesus being raised. These witnesses wanted us to know that Jesus' death and resurrection had been victorious and successful. The world, as we've seen on our TVs, as we see in our own lives, is full of the reasons why Jesus came. Jesus came because of the sins of our world. He came because of my sin. He came because of your sin. Jesus pays the price for our rebellion and his resurrection means he has been victorious and successful. He means that your sin is not held to you but is forgiven and your guilt has been removed. So secondly, Jesus' death shows us how serious sin is. The gospel account shows us how serious sin is. The one who John said was from above had to come. He was punished for a world who's gone wrong. As I said, we see the results of that on our TV screens all the time. We see the results in our lives, in our families at our school playgrounds, with our work colleagues, in our own family. 
our witnesses tell us that Jesus died for our rebellion and he died that we might be forgiven. And this day reminds us, as I said before, our slate is wiped clean. If you come to Jesus, then your sin is wiped clean. But please realise that Jesus' death this time of this year and his resurrection tells us that our rebellion is very, very serious. Wayne made it plain in his prayer. So serious that only he could get us back and save, it, save us from it. Jesus' death and his resurrection was anything but easy, but he chose it for you and he chose it for me. This day, we rejoice in the victorious choice and faithfulness of our Saviour, who loved us with an everlasting love and redeemed us. So serious was the situation. Thirdly, Jesus' death was that we might follow him. John told us that even though you and I are those people who run away from God, who rebel against God, who hurt other people, ignore other people, don't do what we should do for other people, Jesus' death and his life and his resurrection, well, that you and I might have an invitation an invitation to follow him. That wonderful verse, verse 12. You want a wonderful verse in the Bible? John 1, 12. Yet to all who received him. Yet means we've got this seriously bad situation we're stuck in. Yet to all who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This day we're reminded of the victorious wonder of the God who wants to take hold of us in his arms and bring us to himself and to show us life, to set us a new course, a new life, a life filled with his spirit, not that other spirit that comes from being born and to fight and to be rebel and to do all those things, but his spirit. The cross of Christ shows us there's a new way to live. The resurrection of Jesus shows us that way is now open. Jesus has opened that up for us. There is no other road that leads to God. The only other road is broad, as the passage tells us. So many people travel, travel it, but it leads to where Sin takes you, judgment and death. What Jesus brings is salvation. He is here to save us. This Sunday marks the resurrection day that was witnessed by all those people who were there. They will all die for their faith. Maybe not John. Some of them had doubts too, as you might remember. Who is it known as the doubting disciple? Thomas. Everyone knows about Thomas, don't we? Doubting Thomas. He became a saying. 
Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, put my hands in his side, I will not believe. My goodness. He saw. He was shown. He ought to be remembered for this testimony. My Lord and my God. Jesus said, of course, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The resurrection this day is a reminder to us of that very fact. Blessed are you, I'm pretty sure it's you, if you trust and believe. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet have believed. God wants us to turn to him. We admit our guilt. We ask for forgiveness. And this day screams at us, forgiveness is freely given. That's what Easter Sunday is about. It is about the victory of Jesus over sin and death and life given to us. It was God's undying love for his world that sent him here, and it's Jesus' undying love for his people that meant that he rose again. Oh, we're closing now, which you'll be happy about. I know that Joyce is overjoyed. Sorry to pick on you, Joyce. You ought to be overjoyed. I'm finishing. On the Titanic that night, it's terrible being up the front. You get picked on. On the Titanic, on that awful night, real life, not history, was a man named the Reverend John Harper. He was from Glasgow, Scotland. It's a good story about a minister. We, We tell them from time to time. He is one of the men who cried out as the mad rush for the lifeboats began, let the women, children and the unsaved get into the lifeboats. He kissed his only daughter goodbye for the last time and placed her in the hands of one of the ship's officers aboard a lifeboat. Soon he and many others were immersed in the chilly waters of the Atlantic. Uh, And this is a description and a quote of what happened next. Concerned not with his life, but for the dying around him, Harper with his last breaths, swam to the dying souls and cried out for them to be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. As his strength began to ebb, Harper called out to a man clinging to a piece of timber. Are you saved? No, was the reply. A few moments later, Harper and the man came into contact again. Are you saved yet? No, was again the reply. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Harper cried that out one last time. and After that, slipped beneath the waves. Young man clinging to the board was rescued. Later, he testified that he indeed had been saved that night, not only by the rescuing ship, but by the words of John Harper. 
We know of that story because of the testimony of that man. We know of Jesus' resurrection and his victory because of the testimony of the people who were there, who thought it so important, so vital, and knew it was the most important week of our world's history. They wanted us to know Jesus' victorious death and resurrection had made God's way open and paid for sin. They wanted us to know that God's victorious love triumphs over sin, but that it is so serious that we must turn. And they wanted us to know that Jesus' death and his resurrection has opened up for us new life, life in him, life by the spirit, life to be lived by the full. It's important. It's so important that a man would drown to give it. So important that our saviour would die for us to live it. Let's pray. Lord and gracious God, we praise you and give you thanks that this day we rejoice in your greatness. We rejoice and are encouraged in your great and underending love for us. We rejoice in the fact that you preserved all this for us by eyewitnesses who were willing to give their lives for it. Gracious Father, we have been blessed upon blessed. We have All these things have been poured out of us and we are uh, almost speechless to put into words what they can mean and do mean to us. Gracious God, we pray that you are the God who has for us immeasurably more than we can ask and has done for us immeasurably more than we can know or understand. Gracious God, be with us this day. Encourage us, strengthen us, and fill us with hope, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the power of the cross. Is that right? No, that was last week. What is this week? Yours is the glory. Which can we, do you mind? I have a, I have a terrible thing to confess. I hate.